After one moment when I bowed my head and the whole world turned over and came upright and I came out where the old road shone white. I walked the ways and heard what all men said, forests of tongues like autumn leaves unshed, being not unlovable, but strange and light, old riddles and new creeds, not in despite, but softly as men smile about the dead. The sages have a hundred maps to give that trace their crawling cosmos like a tree. They rattle reason out through many a sieve that stores the sand and lets the gold go free. And all these things are less than dust to me because my name is Lazarus and I live. Welcome to Pints with Chesterton, a podcast where two millennial women dive into the wonderful and whimsical works of Gilbert Keith Chesterton. I'm Grace. And I'm Marie. Join us each week as we endeavor to take in the wisdom and wit of this larger-than-life journalist, fiction writer, poet, and illustrator. Marie, what are we doing? (laughs) Are we crazy? (laughs) (laughs) We are. We're starting a podcast. We are crazy. I think every woman has a bit of crazy in her, but we're not crazy for doing this podcast. Yeah, I think this is a man who deserves a podcast, and there are precious few podcasts out there, apparently, about him. So, yeah, we're we're filling in a gap here. So, let's tell everybody a little bit about him before we we jump in about what we love about him personally. So, um, just a couple things about Chesterton himself, in case you've never heard of him. He was a very large man with a very large brain and an even bigger capacity for joy and gratitude for the ordinary things of life. He loved his wife, he loved storytelling, and he was a literary giant. He lived from 1874 to 1936 um, in London, uh, and although he traveled all over the world to lecture and speak. That was his home base and where he would always come back to. He was baptized Anglican, uh, raised in a Unitarian family. In college, he dabbled in agnosticism and spiritualism, um, which almost led him to take his own life. He experienced a conversion of heart that caused him to come alive, and he became Christian joined the Anglican Church, and then later he converted to Catholicism after years of leaning intellectually in that direction. Um, What's interesting about him is that he wasn't, like a lot of his friends, um, one of these Oxford uh, scholars, but instead for college he went to the Slade School of Art in London. And he quickly found that his real talent was for writing, though, um, even though he was a he had, did all these doodles that were very fun, um, these kind of illustrations and things like that. But he really um, found his gift for writing whenever he was doing art criticism and taking some classes um, about English and writing at uh, University College. So he became an incredibly prolific journalist, um, a Christian apologist, a poet, um, I said an illustrator, and a fiction writer with a particular love for detective stories, which I can relate to. And um, he saw himself first as a journalist, though, um, believing that that was his quote-unquote real work. His wit and whimsy, coupled with his incredible ability to think an idea completely through, usually by turning it inside out and then upside down before turning it right again, have earned him the titles of Prince of Paradox and the Apostle of Common Sense. 
And then one of my favorites, uh, Bishop Robert Barron, he said that reading Chesterton is like popping open a bottle of champagne. And we really agree with that. His works <laughs> sort of sparkle when you read them. And so, absolutely. Um, so we're very, very excited. Um, so this is hilarious. It, we were going to record this podcast later in the afternoon, but scheduling conflicts uh, arose. And so now here we are at 9.30 my time, 7.30 Marie's time. I'm drinking a Guinness. <laughs> I'm crazy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and this is Pints with Chesterton. We have to have a pint on the first episode. <laughs> yes, I know. And Grace is having it for me. I'm having some Irish breakfast tea, but you know what? I'm going to have one in the next episode. I've decided I'll have one it's in the be next great. episode. I have a coffee in the other hand, so here we are. Um, okay, Grace, so I'm um, just oh, – sorry. Who ahead. are you? Who am I? Um, yeah, I'm who Grace. are you? Why do, why do you <laughs> why come here in the name of Chesterton? Oh, man. Okay, so I come here in the name of Chesterton because I am a high school teacher of theology and church history in South Louisiana. Um, I'm from Alabama originally, but found my way to South Louisiana and fell in love with it. Um, before COVID times, I used my summers and breaks to travel all over the country, but because I'm a teacher uh, on a shoestring budget, <laughs> and so <laughs> this is actually how I met Marie, was traveling around the country. But um, anyways, I... I love to read, um, although I'm pretty slow. I'm a pretty slow reader, um, and I've only just been getting into Chesterton's works the last four years or so, um, but he quickly became my favorite author, and I really believe that he has something in his writings and his personality and the story of his life um, that the world is missing right now. I feel like, especially this year, we're very weighed down um, you know, by the pandemic and by everything that's going on, and I just feel like he has this this lightness about him that is not, um, it's not cheap. It's not surface level. It's this depth of joy. And I just feel like that's something that we all need right now. And so I want to talk about him and highlight his works. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love so much of what you said right now. And I, I love that you said you're a slower reader, which is not a bad thing because oh, I yeah. think it causes people to savor more when they're reading to really take things in. Whereas I just can plow through something and then I'm like, wait, what did I just read? Um, but I think that's really encouraging because anybody who's listening who's like, well, I can't read something that difficult because I'm slow. Too mm. bad. Grace is slow as well. She's going to be reading right <laughs> along with you. Yes. It's very and we've true. both gotten through this, uh, these books, so right. you can too. I am uh, from Southern California. I live in San Diego. I am married to David Bates, who is one of the hosts and creators of Pints with Jack, which is uh, the C.S. Lewis podcast. Which we love. I, um, I'm an assistant radio producer for Catholic Answers, and I love my work very much and the people I work with. Um, I have a huge family. They mostly live in San Diego, and um, they're pretty excited about this podcast as well. They've they've gotten the reading schedule from me, and they're they're ready to go. Um, I met Grace with her friend Father Brad when they were visiting San Diego for Father Brad to give a talk, and I really liked Grace, so I was so happy when she reconnected Aww. with me later on. Um, and now we've gotten to know each other quite a bit better since then, but. Right. Um, I've been a fan of Pints with Jack now for a long time. We had a, a mutual friend who recommended it to me and, uh, and I just fell in love with it because I had always wanted to read a lot of Lewis and didn't 
uh, just because, you know, slow reader and whatnot. And so Pines with Jack, I mean, yeah, Pines with Jack has been helping me kind of uh, go through Lewis's works. And I really loved that. And listening to the podcast, I heard things about this marvelous Marie and how <laughs> she loves Chesterton. And I was like, wait, I love Chesterton. I love Chesterton more than I love Lewis. Sorry, David and Matt. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. This woman has the key to my true love. Right. Let's go. Let's yeah. do it. So I know. I, I enjoy Pints with Jack so much. Um, I've learned so much. And obviously being married to somebody who loves Lewis has been <laughs> such a treat because now I know so much more about him than I ever would have otherwise. Um, but I'm I'm the same. My real love is Chesterton. And David even admits that um, when we we went to England two summers ago so that I could meet his family. And so, you know, it was kind of a nerve wracking trip. I'm meeting my boyfriend's family for the first time, but he made it so special. And when we went to London, he took me to where Chesterton was born, baptized, oh, wow. married, all of these wonderful places. And That's when we so went great. to Oxford, my love for him was just like, solidified for life because we got to go see his private library and collection basically it's all of his effects that they have um so I got to try on his um uh, his glasses oh my I goodness. can't say the French word David don't judge me um <laughs> And we got to play with his sword cane. As Grace said earlier, he went to school for art and he had some pieces of art that he had done in this collection. And Grace, I also have to text you some pictures after yes, the episode, but hilarious because Chesterton was enormous, you guys. Yes. I mean, throughout <laughs> he life, he so kind big. of fluctuated in size, <laughs> but he was very big. And in his art, he depicts himself as this little round character with oh everything gosh. really large around him. That's so which funny. I love because I feel like it just reveals how he saw himself just as a simple human being in God's creation. And he, I think he didn't see so himself as the center of the world. He saw himself as this tiny, tiny little dot. I mean, it's it truly is hilarious. I think that's so great because one of the things that really stands out in his works is his humility and just kind of developing that virtue um, as really the mother of all virtue that our pride is what kind of holds us down and, and ties us to the earth and doesn't allow us truly to become who we were created to be. And I think his humility really allowed him to be the giant, <laughs> maybe not the physical giant, but the literal <laughs> like literary giant that he was um, yes. because he just, he wasn't concerned about accolades and he wasn't concerned mm -hmm. about, you know, kind of what people were thinking about him. He just really was concerned for the truth um, and the beauty of the world around him. And so I just yes. think that uh, it's it's so good. I'm excited to talk about his work. So what um, what are your favorite works of Chesterton? We're just kind of giving a little intro to our love of Chesterton here. Yeah, absolutely. So I listen, I haven't read everything. Oh, not even either. Close. Definitely not. That's what this podcast is for everyone. So you yes. can come along with us. Exactly. So I mean, just to give people like a little tiny glimpse, I think he wrote like 5,000 essays, 100 books, numerous poems I like I don't I don't even know the number of everything but there's no way I'm going to read all of that in my right. life um but I've read about maybe 10 of his books now mm -hmm. and I 
love Man Alive. Yes, me too. That's my favorite novel. Man, Man Alive is uh, so topsy turvy and whimsical and yes. so lovely and romantic. And oh my gosh, I laughed serious. out loud like every single day I sat down and yes. picked up and read that book. It was like every time I would laugh out loud and I loved it. Yeah, it, it absolutely just you guys should go and start reading it because we're going to discuss it in a couple months. But that's probably my favorite. But I also love Father Brown. Yes. Um, and so much, as as you've said frequently in our conversations, he is so quotable. So yes. sometimes seeing quotes has caused me to go find where they've come from. And so I've read Orthodoxy a couple times. I find that the best time to read Chesterton is directly after finishing another one of his books. Yes, that's so, so that true. I'm in the Chesterton mode. I understand how he's writing and his style and the kind of language he uses. Mm -hmm. um, he really does. He has this this very specific style that is difficult at first, um, but once you kind of figure out the rhythm, um, then it can kind of get you in the in the mode of reading him. So again, that's just an encouragement. To our listeners, um, he doesn't come off as someone initially who is easy to read, but fear not, dear listener. Um, easy is not always best. Yes, he is someone who is definitely learnable. Um, and so hopefully this podcast, as we go through his works very slowly, um, can help you to understand him and figure out his rhythms and understand how he speaks in paradox and all these different things. And, uh, and that will help you to navigate all of the rest of his works as well. What is your favorite poem, Grace? Well, oh. okay. I guess we got a tidbit of that at the beginning <gasps> we, of the episode, yes, but yeah, I think clue everybody I really, in on that poem. Yeah, I really haven't. Um, I haven't read a ton of his poetry yet. I've been looking for a good collection that I can get in uh, in print. By the way, all of Chesterton's works are in the public domain, so you can find them online. Um, but I'm a I'm a paper person. I like to read on paper, and so I'm looking for a good collection. So I really haven't read a ton of his poetry, but everything that I have read, I love. Um, but the Convert, which was the poem that you heard at the beginning of this episode, he actually penned that poem the day he was received into the Catholic Church. Um, so right after he was received, and he saw that, I think, as his sort of final step um, in faith is to come into the Catholic Church. And uh, he wrote this poem, and I just love it because it shows the story of his life thus far, just seeking the truth, seeking the truth, seeking the truth. Um, overturning, you know, every stone in his path, trying to find it. And he's listening to all these different types of people. He would argue lively, um, lively arguments with, you know, people that believed things totally different than he did, um, trying to understand them, trying to turn their arguments inside out and, and kind of analyze them and apply them and see what was true and what wasn't. And I think the poem really shows that in the beginning, um, just talking about all these wise men, talking about these different paths and things. But at the end of all things, really, um, he came to Christianity because he realized that although intellectually true, um, it really, Christianity isn't about a philosophy or a set of beliefs um, so much as it is about 
what happens to us when we come into relationship with a person, um, as a person who brings us to life. It's about resurrection. That's the heart of Christianity. Um, and that is what Chesterton saw and he realized it in himself. You know, we mentioned that he dabbled in, in spiritualism and some things that led him down some pretty dark pathways. And it was in that, that he sort of realized, um, the reality of evil, but also the falsehood of it. The fact that yes. it's not going to satisfy us and it, it's going to make us really more dead inside. Um, and when he realized that and he had this moment of conversion, he realized, or he was able to experience life. Um, he was really yeah. kind of brought to this whole other level of living. And I think that's what the last line is about. Like I'm Lazarus and I live, um, that's the, that's most the heart of epic it. last line of it a really poem. <laughs> I love it. I think that moment of um, darkness for him when he was in college is so important because I think people for the rest of his life who may not have known but just met him later mm. on might have thought, well, this is just a jolly, you right. know, happy-go-lucky, almost like obviously one of the most complex human beings because of everything he said and wrote, but also mm. kind of one of the most simple. Right. But he struggled the way that we all struggle. Everybody has temptations to um, different different types of evil. Mm. And um, his his overcoming of that is really beautiful. And I love what he said after he came out of that place. He said that gratitude yes. is the antidote for despair. And I love that he so looked much. at his life and he was grateful. Yeah. I think gratitude is another one of the major themes of Chesterton, like him, the man, like him and his works, um, humility being one, but also I think humility and gratitude are linked, you know? Yes. Um, I think that Again, those are two things that our culture is sorely missing right now um, is sort of this reality that I'm not the center of the universe, um, but also that's a freeing thought, you know, mm. for Chesterton that like it was something that was like, oh, like I'm not in control. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's so yeah. great. And I can give myself over to the one who is, you know, and I can yes. see like that everything good in my life is a gift. It's something that was intended. It was something that was given um, by a person, not just something that happens to be. Um, and so I think that that reality or that recognition of, you know, us not being the creator, not being the center of the universe leads to gratitude. Absolutely. What is, what is your favorite story about him? Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, there's so many, I think, um, I, well, I heard the story of, he was very good friends with, um, George Bernard Shaw. Mm -hmm. Um, and he believed something, you know, very different than Chesterton. He was sort of an agnostic, right? Um, yeah. And yeah. they would argue. Things. Yeah, yeah. And they would yeah. argue, uh, you know, to the death, but also they loved each other. And I just, I think their friendship um, is something really beautiful and something that, again, our culture is sorely lacking is the ability to be very good lifelong friends with someone who believes something totally different than you do. Um, yes. But I heard this funny story. It was... Um, in the, the Pivotal Players documentary of Chesterton that Bishop Barron did, um, he tells uh, about how Shaw was this sort of like skinny rail of a man, you know, just <laughs> almost like he was a, a teetotaler, like he didn't drink at all. Chesterton drank. Um, Chesterton was just this massive person. Um, and so he looked at Shaw one day and said, um, 
you know, to look at you, someone would think that, that a famine had struck England. And Shah <laughs> looked back at him and said, if anyone were to look at you, they would think that you had caused it. <laughs> I just love that so much because I just feel like the playfulness, (laughs) like Chesterton was constantly making jokes about his size and, um, and just like him and his friend and their ability to kind of joke about everything and be close despite their disagreements and philosophy. so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read, uh, this really funny little story about Chesterton from one of the Maisie Ward biographies. I'm loving that by the way. I'm in the middle of it right now. The first one so special since she actually knew him it just gives it a whole new perspective and she just she wrote so respectfully and right honestly about him but she told people she was collecting stories and poems and letters and whatnot and so people started sending her things that he had sent them or told them (laughs) and one of the first letters in this book is um from a guy who I, I guess Chesterton told him this story. Oh, no, no, no. He was at school with Chesterton. So when they were little, he, they were probably eight years old or something. And um, the headmaster found Chesterton wandering around the school grounds in the middle of the school day. And he's just wandering around. And, and he says, what are you doing out here? Why aren't you in class? And he, he says, I thought it was Saturday. that's so classic and it was so (laughs) funny because he was totally being genuine I mean if you know anything about him later on I guess another little story is that his wife Francis basically kept it together for him right (laughs) he was so absent-minded yes she made sure he had shoes on she made sure that he showed up to appointments he she made sure that he ate which is actually I think you know, hilarious thing that Dale <laughs> yeah. Alquist um, addresses in um, Night of the Holy Ghost that people thought that he was massive because he was just kind of a gluttonous fool. Yeah. The people who didn't like him would say things like that. And yeah. but all of the accounts of the people close to him, their secretaries over the years and their friends said that he was actually the kind of person who would often forget to eat, forget to drink. And would be so caught up in his writing. But he had lots of health problems. Um, yeah. And they think that his health problems more so caused his size than his eating habits. Um, yeah. I can definitely see that. Diagnosed differently. But then it was just something that he struggled with. Yeah. Um, I think that just that whole idea of him being absent-minded is hilarious. And he's one of his famous quotes is that absence, isn't it like absent-mindedness is really only presence of mind elsewhere. (laughs) And I think that that's, (laughs) and I think that's so true because um, that's what, why he was absent-minded. He was always thinking, he was thinking about everything. He was thinking about, he was turning over arguments in his mind. You know, there's accounts of him like stopping in the middle of a busy street to like finish an argument, you know, or like having an argument with his friend at a dinner party in the evening and she fell asleep and he finished the argument like saying her (laughs) side and his side and like just you know crazy things like that like he was just so focused in one way that he was not focused in any other way you know going to random train stations like finding himself in some at some stop that he wasn't supposed to be at and wiring back to his wife and saying like you know I'm I'm in wherever like where ought I to be you know (laughs) yes just yeah all that kind of stuff um oh man I just love it um but yeah he's 
Uh, so good. Um, what's your favorite? Do you have any favorite like quotes or, or passages or anything from him? I don't think I have one favorite quote. I think it's too difficult it's to narrow difficult. it down. <laughs> to be um, he has a really great quote about friendship. Mm. And I'm I'm not going to um I don't have it memorized, so I'm I'm going to paraphrase it, but he basically says that the insufficiencies of every person are made up for or are made up by our friendships. Oh, that's that our so friends good. like provide for our insufficiencies. And I think that's Mm-hmm. so so true especially now that I'm married I see that <laughs> clear as day that the things that you bring to the table are different than the things that your spouse brings to the table or your friends and he really understood that that's why he could be such good friends with mm-hmm. Shaw and with yeah. all of these other people who were so different from him right. it's why he could playfully make fun of H.G. Wells <laughs> and he was really making fun of H.G. Wells ideas and not himself Um, but people can't separate that out nowadays absolutely yeah just like the distinguishing between a person and their ideas you know and it's like in some way they're linked but our ideas are changing all the time sometimes you know like they're they're being developed still and um and I think that yeah we have to be able to make that distinction between between a person and what they think um you know you reminded me of a quote from um from Macy Ward's biography uh in the first volume I highlighted this because I loved it so much and I really do. <laughs> I'm quite an extrovert and I love uh, people and parties and things. And so he said, my great ambition is to give a party at which everybody should meet everybody else and like them very much. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just love it's that. It's so wonderful. And then there's a poem on the next page called An Invitation. And it says, Mr. Gilbert Chesterton requests the pleasure of humanity's company to tea on December 25th, 1896. Humanity, Esquire, the Earth, Cosmos E. <laughs> I think that we have such a tendency now. And I don't know, I don't know if it's like this for you, Grace, where you lived, but it seems here that most people they do their job and then they go home at the end of the day and Mm. it's like two separate people right yeah like their work is not necessarily their passion and so they're just they're just doing their job and they're going home and there's nothing wrong with that lots of us do jobs that aren't exactly what we want to be doing but we have to make money to live right um and Chesterton understood that like he was such the champion of the common man but he would write out loud in the pub his speech for something and people would just be around or friends would be around and it was just he couldn't contain this brain and these ideas (laughs) and these plans that he had to eight hours a day yeah it was like you could catch Chesterton at breakfast in the morning and he's writing something or he's dictating something and and he's also having conversation with his wife and it was just who he was yeah. through and through it was not a work identity versus a who he is at home mm-hmm. his it it just it was an entire lifelong effort to live to the fullest yeah. i mean he really used every it sounds like it he used every minute that he could right Yeah. He just was who he was. Like he wasn't trying to, you know, make a deadline because he needed to get, you know, the paycheck or whatever. I mean, that was definitely part of it for some things he was doing, but he was so, he actually believed in what he wrote. You know, he believed what he wrote. He believed what he was doing. Um, and he just, yeah, he just was who he was. 
his authenticity was known to everyone around him who knew him well, you know. Um, and that's why so many people are becoming attracted to his works again mm-hmm. now, although there aren't podcasts out there. <laughs> there is one, but I haven't been able to find very many people talking yeah. about him. So I'm I'm excited that we're doing it. Yeah, me too. Um, and in fact, we were, you know, we were talking about this idea of this podcast and we're like, you know, this is kind of funny. Like when we, when we go out and we see the different people who have written about Chesterton and the people who are sort of in the, um, in the, the popular, what am I trying to say? Like the websites and conferences and like all these things that are about him, people giving lectures and talks about him. Um, a lot of it is, you know, men. Um, who are older and they do great work. Um, But we were like, wow, like there's not a whole lot of women who are commenting on Chesterton. And here are two of us who independently of one another have fallen in love with this man. (laughs) And we're like, we we want people to know about his works. And I think we have something as women um, and especially, I don't know, like two millennial women, you don't really expect to be talking about Chesterton. I just, I think that we should expect people to be talking about Chesterton of all ages. And, um, and so anyway, I'm just excited to kind of bring our perspective to the table. Um, we're not, you know, great scholars or anything like that. Um, we don't pretend to be, but we just, we love, um, we love him and we want other people to love him too. And so Chesterton himself, um, had this beautiful, uh, just, passage about women and the vocation of women. Um, And he talked about how like naturally we are the ones who give birth and we're the ones who um, are closest to the raising of a child. Um, And he talked about how women, even more than teachers, um, have this task of education uh, that is to introduce a person to an entire world you know, it's not just one aspect of a world, but to introduce someone to the whole world. And I think that, well, he thought that that was what, uh, uh, there was a particular gift, a particular vocation of woman, uh, her ability to do that, to introduce a child to a whole world. And so we see Chesterton's life and his writing as a whole world unto itself, um, because it's so vast and so beautiful. Um, and so we, I think might have something to bring to the table as women to introduce you all um, to the world of Gilbert Keith Chesterton. It's like you're all our spiritual babies. <laughs> I love that passage so much. I, I think that it's especially beautiful because Chesterton and Francis never had children, yes. but they so desperately wanted to. Mm-hmm. And there was so much love between them. I mean, I really admire them as as a couple. They sacrifice for each other like I've almost never seen um, in another relationship. They wanted children so much. They never had biological children. And it wasn't really as common to adopt at that yeah. point in time. Mm-hmm. Although I think they would have been open to it. But right. instead, they just adopted all of the children in their neighborhood yeah. to come to their house every you know every week and do plays and have Mm -hmm. tea and they basically adopted their secretaries over the years who were usually young women coming in to to help them for a few years or more than a few years and they were like parents to so many people right because they just had this love to give and they they weren't um stingy about it at all right they just gave fully 
I I think he would want all of you to feel like he saw you and appreciated you. And I feel like he would want people today to be a part of these conversations that he started. Not so much for the glory of it, but so that people would um, consider important ideas and important questions that we need to be asking ourselves in this lifetime, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, yeah, just that that friendship aspect that he really saw his friends as his family. Um, and I think, like you said, even more so having not uh, been able to have his own children, he and Francis had very tight relationships and really experienced family beyond blood ties, you know. Um, and I think that's something that our world could definitely use right now, as a lot of us, I think, are feeling pretty isolated in different ways. So just like learning from him to to strengthen the bonds of friendship um, such that they become true family relationships, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think that's an important thing to kind of bring to the table. So we were talking about his, you know, our favorite passages and things like that. And I, I read this in uh, Maisie Ward's biography. Again, I've been working through that. It's been so delightful. But this was um, from a letter that he wrote to his best friend Bentley when he turned 21. So he's in college at this point and he's about to actually begin his career in journalism because I don't think he ever actually finished at the Slate School of Art. I think he got a job at a publisher and then just worked Correct. from there. He, he thought that in the end that he was sort of silly to try to go into art. And yeah. so he, he abandoned it and and pursued writing, which praise God that he Obviously, did. Obviously, yeah, it was Thank his, you, his Lord. true talent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, he wrote this letter, um, and I thought it was so beautiful. He was just experiencing his 21st birthday and all of these relatives that he had sort of forgotten about for many years mm-hmm. and kind of like come back into his life to say like, hey, happy 21, you know. And, uh, and he was just kind of talking to his friend and telling him what was going on with his life. But he had this experience of walking home that day in the rain. And Chesterton loved the rain. And he explains rain to his friend in this passage. And I just think it's so beautiful. And it's a great example of just his prose, you know, like how he work, how he works, how he writes. Um, and it's coming out of this place of humility and gratitude for the world around him, his ability to see the ordinary things and the beauty in the ordinary things. So anyways, this is an excerpt from the letter. He says, I have just been out and got soaking and dripping wet, one of my favorite dissipations. I never enjoy weather so much as when it is driving, drenching, rattling, washing rain. As Mr. Meredith says in the book that you gave me, rain, oh, the glad refresher of the grain and welcome water sprouts of blessed rain. It is in a poem called Earth and a Wedded Woman, which is fat. Seldom have I enjoyed a walk so much. My sister water was all there and most affectionate. Everything I passed was lovely. A little boy pickabacking another little boy home two girls taking shelter with a gigantic umbrella, the gutters boiling like rivers and the hedges glittering with rain. And when I came to our corner, the shower was over and there was a great watery sunset right over number 80, what Mr. Ruskin calls an opening into eternity. Eternity is pink and gold. This may seem a very strange rant, but it is one of my specimen days. I suppose you would really prefer me to write as I feel, and I am so constituted that these daily incidents get me that way. Yes, I like rain. It means something. I am not sure what, 
something refreshing, cleaning, washing out, taking in hand, not caring a damn what you think, doing its duty, robust, noisy, moral, wet. It is the baptism of the church of the future. I love it. <laughs> I was just like so all about great. rain. Like he literally walked home in the rain and that's what he got out of that. Right. You know? I love it, it makes me think that people need to start writing letters to each other again. I, I had the same thought when I read that. I was like, oh, we don't write to each other like that anymore. How you sad know? is it going to be? And I mean, when he died, we found all of these letters and all of these little links to the past. And right. For us, I guess people will go through text messages. I don't know. People, somebody's going to find my Twitter feed and be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Two oh, millennial goodness. women. I know, right? Here to, here to talk yeah. about Chesterton. I think we want to embrace a lot of that past beauty that yeah. we don't see anymore. That's mm -hmm. that's a reason for this podcast. Yeah, and the beauty that's still there. That's the point. Like there's there's this beauty all around us and we don't see it. And I think that's what Chesterton has to offer is to teach us how to see, um, yes. to just notice, you know, like the little things. So Yeah, it's not as if we missed it because we live in this time and he lived in that. Mm -hmm. We were meant to live in this time and right. God still gave us this beautiful world, these beautiful people. And he called us to see people first as his children and secondly, as ideological opponents. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's if we could look on each other in that way with a little bit more grace and a little bit more uh, understanding and first seeing them as a human being, then I think we might have some of these great friendships that he had with atheists and agnostics and people of other faiths. Yeah. I think that's, you know, one of the other points of our podcast is it's, you know, faith, the Christian faith is very important. So Marie and I both, and we want to, you know, bring that out of Chesterton's works as well, because again, he was not a person that would be divided. Um, he, he was who he was and Christianity was a deep part of who he was. And so we're going to, you know, be seeing that in his works and we're going to be bringing that, I think, to the forefront as well and trying to, help each other um, and hopefully all of you grow in an appreciation of God as the creator, as a person who is joyfully giving us the gift of the universe, <laughs> you know, um, that it's something that is uh, coming from a place of love, from a place of light, especially in the world that seems dark often. But Chesterton has so much to say. And when I read him personally, I feel the closest to God because he, again, like he just opens my eyes, you know, and helps me realize what's already right in front of me. And I think that's so important um, to be able to cultivate that awareness um, and cultivate that gratitude. So that's going to be a part of what we do on this podcast too, is to try to see like, okay, what are we grateful for this week? Like, what have we seen in our lives? Um, but like little things, you know, I mean, all of us can say, you know, when somebody asks like, oh, what are you grateful for? We can always say like, oh, like my friends, my family, you know, like these yeah. things that obviously yeah are big in our lives. Like I'm grateful to have a job, you know, stuff like that. But we want to try to find things that are, are very small, very ordinary, um, yes. that we have noticed. We want to cultivate this ability to see the beauty in the super ordinary things around us. And so, um, that could be in the midst of our relationships with our family and mm -hmm. our friends and our job and all of that, you know, could but, be walking in the rain. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I have always thought running in the rain makes me feel very alive. Mm -hmm. I try to do that every it doesn't rain in San Diego very much, but when yeah. it does rain, I like to go for a, a jog in it. 
but I live in South Louisiana. We're like constantly in the rain. (laughs) (laughs) You need to come. David and I need to come out there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Grace, was there anything this week that you were grateful for that was an ordinary thing, but it was just something that really struck you? Yeah. So I was just, I was thinking about this earlier this morning, so I'll I'll just go ahead and say that. But uh, last night I'm staying with my grandmother for Thanksgiving um, and it's just her and my mom and me and uh, my brother and his wife are in and out. And um, so anyway, the house is very quiet. It's not like this, you know, big, crazy Thanksgiving. I think probably a lot of people aren't having the big, crazy Thanksgiving that they might be used to, but my family's always very small and very calm, you know? (laughs) And so it's just my mom, my grandma and I, and last night we had dinner leftovers, you know, and, uh, we were just having a glass of wine and listening to, we like to listen to music while we eat dinner. And, uh, we were listening to Dave Brubeck who is a jazz musician who I love and uh, is also a convert actually to Catholicism. Um, he was married to his wife for 70 years. I found that out and I didn't oh know my that. Gosh. How um, beautiful. I was just, I love his music. So I looked him up and was like, who was this guy? And I've read that and I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But anyway, so we were listening to Dave Brubeck and some jazz and we just started like dancing around the kitchen and like, just cleaning the dishes <laughs> and like, just like being ridiculous and just like little things like that. I love. So I was grateful for that. I have to say this is something that happened a few times this week, but I recently had a surgery, so I'm extra tired. And my husband has helped me to wake up every morning and get to what I need to get to. (laughs) He's been my Francis this week. And um, particularly this morning, because it's a little earlier here than where Grace is, um, He just was, he's so helpful. And so like, he just cheerfully tries to get me out of bed and get me going, even though I'm a little more tired. He makes it so much more enjoyable. So I think that's what I'm grateful for this week. That's awesome. Yeah. Shout out David. Good husband. So we have a lot coming, Grace. Yes. I'm very excited. Planned out the next few books. If you want to get Man Alive on your radar, if you want to get Orthodoxy on your radar, get the Father um, Brown mysteries going. Mm-hmm. Like Particularly said. the first collection, um, yes. The Innocence of Father Brown. So there's several collections of short stories that Chesterton wrote about Father Brown. And so we are going to be working through a couple of mysteries in the first collection. So that, again, that's called The Innocence of Father Brown. And the first one is called The Blue Cross. And it literally took the world by storm. When he mm-hmm. wrote it, it just, it was like everybody was reading it and everybody wanted the next story. So I'm really excited for you guys yeah. to read it. It's in the public domain, too. like Grace said. So just, uh, we're going to link it in our show notes. And if you'd like to read it before the next episode, we would be so happy to have you along that journey and in, in conversation. Right. And it would be really great too if uh, you are going to listen to the next episode to read it beforehand because it is a mystery and we don't want to give spoilers if you haven't read it. So, yes. um, so that's a, yes, it's exactly. very easy to read. It's, it's very short. Again, these are short stories, so it's not a novel or anything Less like than- that. Fewer than 20 pages. Right. So, yeah. um, and it's, it's funny. Um, the Father Brown mysteries are somewhat comic um, as well as they are, you know, serious detective stories. But um, yeah, so it's, there's a couple of points where you might laugh out loud. I definitely did. Yes. Uh, so I, uh, 
I really appreciate Father Brown. I think he's a really good kind of like ease into Chesterton type of uh, story to read. Also, I just love detective fiction. It's one of my favorite genres. I'm constantly watching. If If I'm watching TV at all, I'm watching some sort of detective you know, yes. mystery. So especially Grace and I are both lovers of psych. Yes. Um, psych. And it's funny about psych is that it's very outside of my normal, um, like type of TV show that I like. The only thing that's similar is it is like a detective show, but I really it's love so like, lighthearted though. Yeah, I know. I love the like British, like period drama detective shows, you know, like usually yes. when it's in some other um, space, but we'll talk about that more in the next episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll do detective fiction. So um, so yeah, so Father Brown, um, really excited, and I want to recommend if you are an Audible fan. I'm a I'm a audio learn, learner. Um, I learn a lot better by by listening, and so um, that's why I'm a big podcast fan, and also Audible. So the Father Brown mysteries are available on Audible as well. And there's this particular narrator that I love, Frederick Davidson, and he has this very specific English accent, and I just think he reads Father Brown so well like you can just hear the characters Beautiful. he does the french accents of the like, other characters and awesome um and it's just he does such a great job of of really bringing life um to chesterton's work so i really highly recommend frederick davidson as the narrator for yeah. the innocence of audible's Brown. not sponsoring this but no. audible, <laughs> if you do want to sponsor right. this just reach out I'm to pints with chesterton subscriber. at gmail.com Woo-hoo. um Anyway, yeah, I think I think we are coming to the end here, Grace. But All right. I well, we want to give a huge shout out and a thank you at the end here to the guys of Pints with Jack. Um, especially Matt, thank you for relinquishing the domain name Pints with Chesterton. Matt uh, <laughs> joked on their podcast. This is how this all got started. Um, Matt joked on their podcast one day like that he had already bought the rights to Pints with Chesterton and Pints with Augustine, who are two of his other favorite authors. Yes. And, uh, and so I heard that. I was listening. I was in the car. I remember I was sitting in the grocery store parking lot um, about to get out of my car and I heard him say that and I said I want to do Pints with Chesterton and then my next thought was Marie Bates loves Chesterton (laughs) and so I was like Matt can we have the domain name yeah (laughs) thank you Matt we love you yes we do and David I want to thank you for helping us to set up all the technological elements of yes. this podcast Thank you, David. as well as the website so to go listen to Pints with Jack you can find that wherever you listen to good podcasts that is the C.S. Lewis podcast and we really recommend it um, yes highly highly recommend it I love if it. you want to find our podcast you can also find it on all of the typical Spotify Stitcher all of the places that you find podcasts and pintswithchesterton.com <laughs> we will see you guys next week May you all enjoy lives of wit and whimsy. Cheers. Cheers.